we have a fun word. We were talking all about the word today. I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction than what we did first service. You're still going to get some of it, but you guys get your own special treatment of things. Um, but when, I, when we're talking about the word, we're going in the direction of how valuable the word really is to us. How valuable, what a gift it really is that God gave it to us. And I want us to understand what the word is, but I want us to understand why the word was sent and how it applies to our lives today. It is very, very, very valuable. But as we are going into worship, I was just thinking about how hard sometimes we make things and how hard the world makes things and how hard when we face trials and we face tribulations and we, when we walk through things, how hard things really become. And sometimes this seems like big and scary, difficult, like it's impossible to measure up to being who God created us to be. God, God asked for simple obedience. That's it. Simple obedience. Most of what he wants to give us in life is just a, is just a gift. There's conditions on some things in here, but it's simple obedience, never to own us, never to control us, never to belittle us, never to make us feel like we don't measure up, but just simple obedience. My dad and I were talking this week and I said, dad, when I was little, cause when, when we grew up, like we heard the word of God, that was it. Every show we watched, actually I just turned in a bunch of VHS. We had these movies. And they were, I know, my VHS player started eating them and I panicked. I'm like, these are treasures. <laughs> I have to save them. So I did. I got them saved. But, or not really, they're not going to heaven. But I, I got, <laughs> it is what it is. Actually, the word save means to complete and bring back to wholeness. And that is what happened to these VHS. I sent them in and they're now digital. But they're these like old west, it's like this old west town cowboy movies, but every one of them is centered around the word of God, where you will memorize in almost every scripture to this day that, and I've memorized more since then. So you're like, wow, Shelby, you've been a heathen since you were eight. Um, but I've almost every scripture that I go is ingrained in my memory is from these movies. And my parents were adamant about, you will hear the word of God. We homeschooled until I was in junior high and it was the word of God, the word of God that we had the Bible in every one of our classes. We're like doing math with the Bible. We're counting the scriptures in each chapter or whatever. We're, we are in the word of God. And it wasn't like a, a crazy shove it down your throat way. But my parents were very, very, very careful that they did not want us to be contaminated and our faith to be contaminated and have a false image of who God was because we received an image that really wasn't him from what the world had to offer. And so it was a very healthy thing, but it was something that I'm so grateful for, but they constantly had the word of God. We had the, if we were listening to music, it was songs that had scriptures in them, but it was very intentionally not things about God. It was the word of God. When I look back, it was the word of God. It was the word of God playing. It was the word of God in songs. It was the word of God in these movies. So I actually just got all of these back. I got Brennan and Jesse a set for Christmas. I got my parents a set for Christmas, but Christmas came last week because they just got back. It took a long time to get them saved apparently, but I just got them back. I've been binge watching these movies and there's so much still that I'm like, I'm an adult and I'm getting so much out of this. Like, I feel like I need to take notes with these kids shows but every one of them is grounded in the word. Everything was the word. And I remember being little and I, and I told my dad, I feel like I should, it should be easier 
at this point to be able to believe the fullness and the truth of the word of God than when I was little. And when I was little, because I didn't know all of these other things, I knew the word of God. You could not persuade me that God wasn't gonna do what I asked him to do. You couldn't persuade me that he wasn't gonna show up. You couldn't persuade me that like, if it said it in the word of God, there was no other way to believe. Sorry for service, really like got my throat. So hopefully we can make it through it. If not, Todd was here first service, then he can come up and roll. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what you're gonna get, but it'll be good. Um, But there was no other way of believing. And simply put, if we were to take that, and, and maybe that's what God means by childlike faith, but if we were to take that belief, disregard everything else in our minds and came back to the place that if it says it in the word of God, I can't be convinced otherwise. Simple, right? You're like, no. <laughs> if we really looked at it that way, that's really God, all God asks us to do. Simple obedience says to be willing and obedient and you will reap the good of the land. Willing and obedient. The simple obedience, you read throughout the scriptures and, then, and of course there's these big feats and these big things that take place, but it was simple obedience. Walk around the walls of Jericho. Put a stick in the water and it's gonna split the sea. Sling a rock at the big guy's head. Big things happened, but it really comes down to simple obedience. So what if, just what if, we just took the word of God for what it said. We just took God at his word. In every situation, because every one of us is facing things. We're walking through things, maybe things in our finances, maybe things in our marriage, it might be things with our kids. Whatever it is, we may be battling addiction. We may be coming out of a season where we're going, I just lost somebody and that's hard. And whatever it may be, all of us have something. What does the word say? What does the word say? See, God didn't send the word to belittle us. He didn't send the word to condemn us. He didn't send the word to tell us all the things we're doing wrong. But sometimes in the midst of life, we are trying so hard and it just seems like things are not working. It just seems like things are not coming together like I thought they would. And I have to wonder if I'm even living up to that book and then I don't wanna read it because it's just more for me to try to live up to and it's more for me to fill at. And we can find ourselves in these situations where we're going, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I'm at wit's end. I feel like I trust God. Maybe he'll come through, but if I can't even obey, like I can't even get the word right. It's not the character of our God. While we were yet still sinners, he sent Jesus. That's the character of our God. That's who God is to us. So when we jump into this today, I want us to get a new revelation of who God is because of what he did on our behalf through his word. In my heart, my prayer, I stayed up forever last night just fighting and praying for this, going, God, let us see the value of your word. Let us see who you are, the character of who you are behind this precious gift that you have sent us. But you guys, it is the goal of the enemy. And my dad had even talked last week that this word would be stolen. The enemy wants it stolen. He wants it twisted. He wants it deceived. He wants us to believe that because of our circumstance, now we have theologies that back up something that is not even Bible. Because I haven't seen the healing, we now believe that that's just the way it's gonna be. And the healing is really when I get to heaven. It's not what the word says. 
but we believe that. It's true. Yeah, thank you. I've been there this week just praying, going, it's not in your word, is it? Nope. All right. I'll just rethink that through. And we can go over and over and over with these where our theology has changed and we accept things and accept a life that is subpar to the life that God has for us. We accept circumstances that are subpar to what God has in store. And we allow it to just, it is what it is. I don't know why I keep praying. I don't know why I keep, it, that's just how it's gonna be. I must have got my hopes up and believed in a Jesus that is too good to be true. And we'll, we'll stay there. Well, then our prayers will start to reflect that. And our mouths will start to reflect that. Where then we speak one way, I talk this way, I can, I can quote the Bible to you, but I'm walking out what the results say, I'm walking out what my circumstance says, I'm walking out in my own strength. I'm walking out based on what I really believe, not walking out what the word of God says. I'm just saying that because that's the right thing to do. We see how we can level the playing field there. We're all walking through stuff. My heart is to encourage you today. There'll be some things that absolutely will step on toes because that's how we grow pain. But it's a good growth to go, I feel encouraged. And I feel like I have some hope to believe in some things. And I feel like I have some new grounding that no, that's a lie of the enemy that I've believed and it's kept me there one day too long. And this will be the last day. I told Todd this morning, it is March 19th, 2023, I think. I often mess up which month I'm actually living in because I plan so far in advance. But according to our conversation this morning, it is March 19th, 2023. And I told Todd this morning, today things change. Today will be a day that we can mark on the grand scheme. Guys, I already got text between last service and this service of stuff that was prayed for in first service that already results are being seen people that weren't even at church. I got people calling from out of town that I got texts from between services going, we know you prayed, you agreed. This is what just happened. This is what just happened. Like it's, it's happening, but it, we got to change and align our thinking up and align our belief up with what God's word actually says. Line God's word up with who he actually is because he wants to move on our behalf. He wants what's best for us. He would like the whole Old Testament is him trying to come up with this plan to get back to relationship with us. He wants relationship with us. He doesn't want us to live an awful defeated life. That is not his plan. His plan is not, I'm really sorry that you're going to be full of pain, despair, heartache, hurt, bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, but it's okay. You'll go to heaven someday. <laughs> That's not who God is, but sometimes we live that defeated. And again, that's not a condemning statement. That is, I'm facing hell. I'm facing the most God awful circumstances. I could not imagine being here. I never thought that this would be something, this should not be part of my story. This was never supposed to happen. And when those things hit, if we are not grounded in the truth, if we are not grounded at what he actually says, not what we perceive he says, not what someone else's theology says he said. What does God's word actually said? say? But it is an attack of the enemy that he is doing everything he can. Why can't we have the word of God in school? Why can't we? It is an attack. And really to the point that the word of God is honestly being taken out of church. 
its opinion. I promise it is not being taken out of this church, but it is being taken out of everything that we can possibly imagine. And I'll give you another example of that. I shared first service, but um, I'm in the middle of writing another book and in the editing process, I had submitted some stuff and it came back that I needed to take out all my scriptures. It was wasted space, wasted words. They said, it's better and you will actually keep your readers longer if you remove the scriptures and you just paraphrase the text in your text. That's, that's what I was told. I'm not doing that, but that's not the point. The point is, this is a Christian book with Christian editors, with Christian publishers who are saying, it's fine. People actually, when we do surveys, most people will skip over the scriptures because that's familiar to them. They just wanna know what you have to say about it. So I go, as Christians, we now live in a society where we exalt the word of man over the word of God. And that's where we're at. So when I say, take heed of what you hear, take heed of what you read, even good Christian books, they're gonna give you revelation. You bet it's not the word of God. It's not God. The word of God is the word of God. Not an opinion of the word of God, not in revelation of the word of God. Now, is there stuff that you can get? Absolutely. I will share revelation that I get from God. I'm not God. Anybody that stands on this platform is not God. So is our source God's word or is our source man's word? Because what if I had a bad day and I came with some feelings? Sometimes I feel different about scriptures when I have feelings. What if that's what came through? What if you're so sold on what Shelby has to say for the platform, Shelby's life blows up to smithereens out back because you have no idea all the secret stuff I got hiding. You still trust God? Shelby was never God. God is God. And that's my challenge. That's my encouragement for us as a church. We are gonna give you the word of God, the undiluted, the truthful, doctrinal, based on the actual Bible word of God from this platform every time. But take heed to what you hear. No one on this platform is God. God is God. And that has to be the final authority in our lives. Are we hearing from the word of God itself? Or are we hearing contrary? I'll give you another example in that same realm. The other thing that came back with the editor is that I had talked about a season of my life that was absolutely awful. And I had talked about how I had come to the place where I went, this is the most painful thing I've ever endured and I would do anything to get rid of the pain. That I, I, I don't know where to be, I don't know what to do, but this is, this is awful. And I remember sitting there and I went, the only thing I know to do is to turn to the word of God. I don't know anything else. I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna pick up an addiction. I'm not gonna, I mean, if like, if it'll get rid of the pain, <laughs> trust me, it was on the table. Like I will be real and honest with you guys, but I went, I know to turn to the word of God. I know everything I need is in his word, everything. So I did, and that is what I wrote. I turned to the word of God and I meditated on the word of God and I didn't let any other words in my life for that season. It was the word of God and the word of God only. 
And you guys, there was healing that came. There was, there was no way that I could have been able to walk through what I walked through outside of the word. So I put that in there and they told me that that was not thorough enough explanation to help someone else walk through seasons of difficulty and pain. They needed steps. So I replied with, so you want me to tell them what I would do based on the word of God. You don't want me to tell them to go to the word of God. Correct. So we have a society that's being built around us that is trying to sift the word of God out every way possible. We want to know the steps. We want to know, is it Bible? Are the steps actually Bible? Because if they're not Bible, why go on those steps? I'm going to go off of what the steps that man has ordered or the steps that God has ordered. I get the choice, but it's going to reap different results. Are we seeing this? So now let's jump in and actually talk about the word since we're reading about the word. We're going to have a lot of scripture today. And so part of these I'm going to read to you and write down the reference absolutely for your study later. But then really listen to what the scripture is saying. So I want to lay a solid foundation, but we're going to talk about what the word really is. We're going to talk about what it was sent to accomplish and how it uh, affects our lives, how we apply it to our lives. Now, make sense? All right. It's a lot harder to get out than what I was trying to say. Just keep it simple, Shelly. All right. Psalm 138.2 says that you have exalted your word above your name. You have exalted your word above your name. Our God exalts his word higher than he exalts his name. And we know the fullness of what his name really is, but he exalts his word above his name. There is more value on his word. Why? Because he's a man of his word. Why? Because he cannot lie. He cannot go back on a promise. His word is forever already established in heaven. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, the word is the inspired word of God. It is God breathed. It is established. All his promises in him are yes and amen. His word is his word. And he says, you can put anything you want to put on my word because it will not fail. My word will not fail. And so already there's a place that we can write down and go, God's word doesn't fail. Anywhere in my life that I think that I've been filled by the word of God, it wasn't the word of God. Any place where I feel like I'm being filled by the word of God right now, it's not the word of God. The word of God cannot fail. It cannot fail. To say the word of God fails is to say that God fails. That's why he exalts his word above his name. Now let's go to John 1.1. And we're gonna read a couple scriptures right here. We're gonna kind of stay in John for the bulk of where we're gonna be today. But John 1.1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. They are one and the same, yeah? Okay. He was in the beginning. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made. The entire existence of existence was made through him and without him, nothing was made. Now skip down to verse 14. And it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory and the glory as of the begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay, who is that? 
Jesus, very good, okay. Jesus, we're gonna have interaction so we don't go to sleep because it's warm in here and it's almost lunchtime. And depending on when you last drink a cup of coffee, it could be crash zone. I had an energy drink between services. So just hang with me. You don't wanna miss this, I promise. The happiness of your life depends on it. All right, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus is dwelling among us, right? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, they are one and the same. But now the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So now that's Jesus. Are they in unity and one and the same? You bet, all right, this is good. So now they're all in agreement. It's really good that the word that was there in the beginning and the word that was with God and the word that was God and the word that became flesh, it's really good that it's all the same word, right? That's helpful. So again, simple, it's all the same word. Can we imagine, just for a minute though, because sometimes we think like, oh, Jesus came to earth. Nothing existed outside of the word of God and the essence and the fullness of everything that he is came to earth and dwelt among us. The fullness of the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Sometimes it's hard for us to like really walk on and believe on one scripture. We might still be struggling if the word actually became flesh. That could be a thing and it's fine. But everything that the word is, was, is to come, is established in heaven, the fullness of that became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? So that we could gain revelation of who the word actually is. So that we could have relationship with him. So that we could see the word of God in action. This was a big deal, okay? Why else did it come? These are the scriptures that I'm gonna read to you. So write down the reference, but don't try to turn there as fast as I'm reading because I would rather you listen and read later because then I know you're gonna read your Bible this week. Luke 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set liberty to those who are oppressed. All right, that's a pretty big deal. Like just in that scripture, right? The word came for these purposes, to heal the brokenhearted. Anybody ever had a broken heart that I might need healed, that I might need some help with? You bet the word came to take care of that. It came to recover sight to the blind. It came to heal all that were captive, all that were oppressed, all of that, because the word came. That's a big deal, big deal. All right, we're gonna keep going. First John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil is sin from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Who is the Son of God? Jesus, who is also the Word. All right, so for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That he might destroy them. Okay, keep in mind, okay, we just talked about that he came to heal the brokenhearted, to free the captives, to heal all who were oppressed, to restore sight to the blind. And now we see that he came to destroy the works of the devil. Okay? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, now he wants to give us everlasting life. Luke 19, 10, for the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. To seek and to save that which was lost. That word save means whole and completion. Anything that is not whole, anything that is not complete, he came to make sure it was complete and to make sure it was whole to seek and to save that which was lost. Um, 
Luke 10, 19, behold, I have given you authority to trample on uh, serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Another reason the word was sent. Psalms 107, 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Hebrews 2, 17, therefore in all things, he had to be made like his brethren that he may be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make appropriation for the sins of the people. So now he's here to take care of our sins as well. Okay, it says that for once and for all, okay, so we see that he came to heal the brokenhearted, to restore sight to the blind, to free the captives, to free everybody and heal who was oppressed, that he sent his word to heal them, that he has come to destroy all the works of the devil, not some of them, all of them, all of this, the word was sent to do. All of it. Now here's, here's a really, really cool part. Now let's look at Isaiah 55. You can turn to this one. Isaiah 55. This is what the word was sent to accomplish when the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Is Jesus still here on earth? Think about it. Think about, is he still standing here? Okay, no, he is not here as flesh on earth. We're gonna read Isaiah 55, 10, and it says, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Okay, did we just read all of those things that the word came to accomplish? And this part says that his word cannot return to him void, meaning it cannot return to him not accomplishing that which he sent it to accomplish. Is Jesus standing here in the flesh? Where is he? Was it possible for him to return to heaven without accomplishing everything that he was sent to accomplish? No. All of those things that we just read that he was sent to accomplish are already done. On the cross, he said, it is finished. All of these things have already been accomplished. Everything that the word was sent to accomplish on earth, the things that it was sent to do on earth, they're done, they're taken care of. Jesus accomplished it, it is finished. That is the only way that he could have gone back to heaven because his word cannot return void. It must go and it must do the thing that God sent it to do and prosper in that thing, which means it had to be successful. Jesus wasn't like, well, I attempted all of them. Can I come back now? He prospered, he finished all of those things. They are not still being done. Healing still isn't being accomplished. Do we see that? Freedom still isn't being accomplished. It's done. It is done. He's not still destroying the works of the devil. They're done, destroyed. It's done. But here's where we, now this is our part, is this is the part that now we go, okay, I recognize it's done, now what? Well, now we recognize that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit, and we're gonna get into all this, but the same spirit that's on the inside of Jesus is on the inside of me. So that same spirit gives me the authority to enforce 
what was already accomplished and what was already finished. So if it is contrary to the word of God, I can enforce it because I'm not from this kingdom. I'm from that kingdom. I am seated in heavenly places. I am a son and a daughter of Christ. I am an heir to the throne of God, which means I have authority to speak what his spirit is saying, what his word in agreement with his word to speak into circumstances in my life. Say, you don't have a place here because we come in the authority of the word. We come in the authority that says, I will enforce what's already finished. Jesus isn't still enforcing on my behalf, it's done. And now I get to enforce it. I get to tell it to leave. I get to tell it to go. But sometimes we are finding ourselves in a place where we're praying and going, God, bring the healing. God, bring, again, this is not a judgmental thing. I get it, I've prayed this way, that's what I'm saying. Bring the healing. Does he still have to bring the healing? No, it's done. I have to enforce the healing that has already been established. So instead, I'm already healed and this, whatever it is, has no right and it has to go. I get to kick it out of the kingdom. I get to say what comes into my house and what doesn't. I'm picky about who gets to come to my house and who doesn't. And if it's contrary and it's causing not okay things, I have no problem telling it to leave my house. I told people to leave my house. It's not okay. Go, get out. Why? Because that's my turf and I get to say what goes here. Well, now my life shares the turf with heaven. It's the kingdom of light, which means anything from the kingdom of darkness, it doesn't get to stay there. And we have the authority to enforce what was already accomplished on our behalf. Do we see that? Man, the victory that we could be walking in. Why? Because there was a lie from the enemy that says, mm, you're not good enough to actually deserve that. Mm, try again. You don't have enough faith. You can't do that. You've messed up too much. You're the exception to the rule. God said he would heal everybody but you. God said that he would come through on most of their behalf. God said, that's not what God said. But we can build this whole thing in our mind because of what we're not seeing. Guys, we have the authority of heaven to say, get out. We have the authority of heaven to say, this is what's acceptable here and this is what's not. So I wanna build your faith and encourage you a little bit that you don't gotta tolerate what the enemy's playing. Here's what we also know. We know that in this world, we're gonna have trouble. We're gonna have tribulation. We're gonna walk through some things, count it all joy when we fall into various trials. It's not the trials that are the problem. It's the fact that God never meant for us to be defeated. He set us up to be a conqueror. That's what his word says. So when we see a trial, this is not an opportunity for me to maybe fail. I wasn't created to be a failure. That is not Bible. When I see a trial, I see an opportunity for me to succeed because it wouldn't be there except to be conquered. That is the only thing. That is the truth of the word of God. You read your Bible, find one place that it tells you that you should fail. That the trials that are coming your way, I don't actually know. You may or may not get through them. I wish you the best though. You'll be in heaven someday. It's not what the Bible says. But oftentimes that's how we live. Instead of going, no, my Bible says that I am more than a conqueror. I'm gonna face hard things, but I was never set up to fail. And I was given everything that I need for life and godliness and any defeat has already been finished. And I can now enforce what God says. So yeah, well, I'm gonna face temptation and I'm gonna face trials, but I have everything that I need in the word of God to be able to walk and enforce from a place of authority and a position of authority to enforce what God would do. I can enforce what God's gonna do on our behalf. Do we see that? 
You guys are not very excited. You could live really sad today or you could live really happy today. This is really good news. I know you're like, oh, my theology has been wrong for years. It's okay. I've been feeling that way for months now. It's really fine. But we're gonna start seeing things change because we're switching what the enemy's been doing through theology and all this other stuff to teach us differently than what the Word of God actually says. All right, let's keep going. So now let's go to John 16... I lied. John 17, 21. And it says, and they all may be one as you father are in me and I in you that they may also be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me that they be made perfect in one and the world may know that you have sent me and loved them as you have loved me. Just gonna let it soak for a minute. We said in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Then we said the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And now Jesus is praying for all believers here. And he says, God, as you and I are one, they're one with us now. And so much evident that the world will know that you love them as much as you love me. Is that evident in our lives? Does the world go, wow, I really think, Christy, that God must love you as much as he loved Jesus. We would be offended if somebody told us that, but that is the expectation of our Bible. That is the expectation that we go, my life resembles the fact that God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is one with the Father and I am one with them. All together. That's, that's the heart, guys. That's God's heartbeat. He's not like, oh, you're the stepchild. Pretend you don't know me. That's not what he thinks of us, but that's how we live. That's how we live. We live like God's like, mm. pray to me at night and in secret. When I said the secret place, I meant the secret place. Never pray to me in public. That's not what God thinks of us. God goes, those are my kids and I love them as much as I love Jesus. That's what Jesus' prayer was for us. What if we live like it? We just took God at his word and live like it. Now let's go to um, 1249. This is important. All of this is important, actually. I shouldn't say that. For I, and this is Jesus talking, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, I speak. Whose authority did Jesus speak on? God's. Jesus did not speak on his own authority. He spoke what God said to speak. He spoke God's word. We tracking? He spoke God's word, not on his own authority, because this next verse, this is gonna be like light bulb moment if we really grab hold of that fact. Now let's go to John 16. And we're gonna start in verse seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. 
It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because of the ruler of this world is judged. I have many things to say to you, but, cannot, but you cannot bear them now. However, this is the key, so pay attention to what we just read when listening here. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of what is mine and declare them to you. So now we see Jesus did not speak of his own authority. He spoke in the authority of God's word, what God said. And then he says, hey, I've got to go, but I'm going to send you a helper. And it's really to your advantage. It's better for you that I leave because I've done all that I can do here on earth. I've got to go here. So now the spirit of truth can come who will guide you into all truth. He's going to be your helper. But one more thing. He doesn't speak on his own authority. He will only speak to you God's word, which means the same spirit, which was on the inside of Jesus, the same spirit feeding him the same word and the authority that he spoke with, Jesus just gave to us. The same exact spirit. That he doesn't speak on his authority. He speaks what God says. Everything that was Jesus is now ours. Man, I face things a little bit different knowing that, right? Again, not a condemning thing. If guilt, shame, condemnation, if those things come during this message, you tell them to get out. They don't get to be in here. You can say, no, I thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to show me where I've been deceived and where I've been believing wrong. And I choose to align my thinking up with the word of God. That's how we're gonna confront those things. No guilt, no shame. This is an encouragement to say, no, I'm gonna take this and I'm gonna see things different. I see what I'm facing different. I see what I walked in thinking. I'm gonna walk out thinking different because I'm gonna think according to the word of God and know that his spirit bears witness with my spirit. And now he doesn't speak on his own authority, but the spirit of God inside of me speaks on the authority of God, which means when I allow him to speak through my mouth, I am speaking on the authority of heaven. It is no longer limited to my authority. When I try to take God's word and treat it as my own, then I limit it to what I have authority to do. But when I take and I go, no, I allow the spirit of God who will guide me into all truth. When I speak on that authority, the same authority which Jesus spoke, the same authority that said, let there be light is inside of us. The same authority. And guys, we can speak this into our marriages, into our finances. We can speak this and go, no, that sickness doesn't have a place. We can speak this into situations that we're facing, family situations, things that aren't lining up with the word of God. We have the authority of God's word to be able to speak it and not only speak it. Remember, God's word doesn't return void. So when I speak it, I expect it to go and accomplish that thing in which it was sent and prosper in it. So I expect it to go and do. So I'm not speaking flippantly. I'm very direct about what I'm speaking, but I'm speaking the word of God into the situation and I'm not gonna backfire with my mind or with my words to contradict it as soon as I speak it. I spoke God's word. I hope he comes through. Why'd you speak it? 
No, I'm gonna speak God's word and I don't expect anything less. You cannot convince me otherwise. That is God's word and it's not even in my authority. I got nothing to do with this. God said it, God's gonna do it because that's his character and that's who he is. And we believe it that way. So it changes our thinking. It changes our concepts where we're not begging from heaven. We're going, no, I'm, I'm an ambassador from heaven to speak into this. And that's how I'm gonna see it. And that's how I'm gonna believe it. And that's how I'm gonna receive it. And I don't accept anything else. So when Jesus... Um, takes this word, and I wanted to kind of back up a little bit and see, okay, so now we know what the word is. We know why the word was sent. But now we need to see a little bit of how did Jesus utilize this authority? How did Jesus utilize this power when he was here on earth? So let's look at Luke 4. I think this is really cool. It reveals a lot of things to us. Again, just backing up what we just read. Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, same Holy Spirit or different Holy Spirit than we have access to? Same one. Jesus was filled with the same Holy Spirit that we get to be filled with. Cool story. Returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. Okay, Jesus is living Spirit led. That's a big deal, right? So now we, we need to take note here that Jesus not only was Spirit filled, but he chose to be spirit led. There's a difference. Sometimes we can be spirit filled, but we get led by our flesh. We lead ourselves based on what we want to do instead of what the word says. That's what that really means. So basically I'm gonna do whatever feels good. I'm gonna do whatever makes me happy. If it lines up the word, cool. If it doesn't, I'd rather be happy than suffer not, right? So instead of bringing ourselves into obedience to the word and going where we're led to go, I'll take the word, I'm spirit filled, but I'm gonna do what I wanna do. He said he was led by the spirit. So those are two very important things. He's filled with the same Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us, but he chose to be led, which means he submitted his life to the word. Because remember, if the Holy Spirit is leading him, he's telling him somewhere to go. Can the Holy Spirit speak on his own authority? No. Can the Holy Spirit speak on his own authority? Good answer. Okay, he can't. He speaks God's word, which means if the Holy Spirit is telling him, is leading him to go somewhere, it's God's word, right? So Jesus is in submission, in alignment and obeying, actually putting action to where he's being led. We have the same option in our life. So now, but where was he led? Into the wilderness being tempted by the devil for 40 days. Okay, I know, I laughed too, James, thanks, I appreciate it. So I'm like, that was funny to me for the purpose that about the time I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna be obedient to the word. I'm gonna go where God says to go and I'm going and things get bad real fast. God, I am being obedient to what you're asking me to do. I am going where you've asked me to go. I am, why is this happening to me? Cause you were never, you were set up to win. I am giving you an opportunity to win something. Everybody wants to be a winner. So I'm leading you here to set you up to overcome and to win. What's the problem? You're looking at it like it's like, God, why is this thing gonna take me out? You were never created to be taken out. You were created to win. And so he takes Jesus here and Jesus was not like, God, I followed your spirit. And it led me to the wilderness. It's not what happened. So the devil shows up and the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word of God. Here's the thing. He was tempted, but not only was he led by the spirit. So he's being obedient to where he's going. He's also being led by the spirit in what to say. Why? Because it's God's word coming forth. It's God's authority coming forth. He doesn't speak on his own authority. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak on his own authority. They're going to speak what comes from God. So not only in my circumstance am I going where God has asked me to go, but I'm speaking what God says to speak. Because if he would have got there and spoke on what he wanted to talk to the devil about, do you see how he was led, set up to win, but what came out of his mouth could have created a different story. So sometimes it's not, I get to the the trial, I get to the temptation, I get to this thing that seems so big, so hard, so ginormous. What's coming out of our mouth? Am I being spirit led there too? Because he also didn't pray and go, God, could you please defeat the devil? God's like, I'm literally there. We're one in the same and you're there to defeat the devil. Like you already have all authority. So in our lives and we're going, God, could you please? He's like, it's done. It's finished. You have everything that you need to enforce the word of God in this situation. You have everything that you need to overcome temptation in this situation because you were not ever, ever, ever in my eyes created to fail or succumb to temptation. You've given everything that you need for life and godliness to overcome. Absolutely everything. So you keep reading. We skip down to verse uh, seven and it says, therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall not, you shall worship the Lord, your God, and in him only you shall serve. Well, then the enemy or Satan comes back here and he says, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. So now he's using scripture back against Jesus. Here's the danger, and here's the other very key point. We're going to go to a scripture in just a minute to back this up. We said that Jesus was led, meaning he was living in obedience to the word of God, right? James 1.22 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Here's what happens. When we are hearers only of the word, and we only hear, we only hear, we never actually put action to it, we never actually put obedience to it, then we deceive ourselves because we have memorized word, and we never actually are walking out relationship, and in the character, and in who God is. So I get confused on really what his will is, and if the devil's quoting scripture, maybe I should go with what the scripture says because I haven't memorized. I have no application in it. I'm no longer being spirit led. It's in my head. That's my soul. So I can take scripture and be soul led with my mind, my will, and my emotions. But instead, we see here that Jesus very quickly says, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus was not deceived. Why? because he was a doer of the word. He was not a hearer only, it was inside of him. He had allowed it because he chose to be a doer and not just hear. If you told your kid to go take out the trash and your kid said, I hear you. Well, what did I say? Take out the trash. I heard you. They've memorized what you said and they heard you. Did they put any action to it? No. 
So there was actually no submission and no obedience, but they memorized it and they heard. So faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God, but faith without works is dead. So I heard you, <laughs> do not fear. I heard you, what I say, do not fear. So do not fear, I heard you. So we play the same game with God. I heard you, and we could memorize the entire Bible and quote it back to God. I heard what you said. God, I know what your word says in this situation. He's like, thank you. I appreciate you. There's no action. There's no way for this to be able to take life. There's no way for me to be able to not be deceived because all I'm doing is hearing. And it gets in my mind, but it doesn't get into my heart. We've got to allow it to be application to where I know the word of God. I apply the word of God because I live the word of God because it's the final authority in my life. Does that make sense? All right, last couple of scriptures here. So the word is final authority. And that's how Jesus overcame the enemy is with the scripture, with the word of God. The same way that we overcome the enemy is with the word of God, with scripture. Jesus didn't talk around it. He didn't pray for God to take away the enemy. He used the word of God. He spoke the word of God directly to the circumstance. We have the same ability, the same power lives on the inside of us. It is on the inside of Jesus. We have the same authority in our circumstances. Um, let's look at Hebrews 4.15 really quick. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points, not some points. He doesn't say, I mostly was tempted how you guys are tempted, so you can figure it out. He says, in all points, everything that we could ever be tempted with, Jesus already was there. He can sympathize in our weakness because he had them. Everything that we could ever face was accomplished and already taken care of on the cross. There is nothing that wasn't taken care of. There is not an answer that we are seeking in life right now that cannot be found in the word of God. It is the fullness. It is complete. You will be whole and complete, lacking nothing. You shall not lack or want for any good thing. That's what the word tells us. So we have everything that we need for life and godliness. Completion has already been established for us, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find help in a time of need that we may obtain mercy and find help in a time of need. Here's the other really neat part. When we face temptation, we don't have to do it on our own because we have a high priest that has sympathized in our weakness. So we can acknowledge, God, this is what I'm facing right now. This is the, the fear that I'm facing. This is the, the hurt that I'm facing. This is the temptation that I'm facing. This is the situation that I'm walking through. And we have a high priest that'll say, I got you. I've been there and I sent you a helper. And let me help that helper help you. Why? Because we have a high priest and I can boldly approach the throne of grace and say, I need help. He is our ever present help. He is our ever present help. He sent us a comforter and a helper because he knew we would need comfort and help. His strength is made perfect in our weakness because he knew we would have weakness. He wouldn't tell us that we needed joy if we were gonna be, have like a gung-ho happy life. He has everything that we need for what we're gonna face because it was accomplished and it was finished and he's able to help us. And here's the other part, that it is the spirit that works in us, the same spirit that works in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure. 
both to will and to do. So now not only I'm facing this temptation, God, I need your help. When I activate the authority of the word of God and I activate the help that I am sent, then I'm able to say, not only do I have help, I have the desire because to will and to do and to accomplish what he needed me to do. Because it is the spirit that works in me both to will and to do for his good pleasure. We don't have to do this alone. Not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Will you stand with me?